This is Radio ANA, broadcasting on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We are Annalise and Arnie, talking about community and individual responses to harm, transformative justice, accountability, safety, support and healing and prison abolition within and challenging dominator culture. We would like to acknowledge Aboriginal elders past and present and to acknowledge and honour the resistance of First Nations people across these lands.
Hello, that was Blood Orange with Best To You. I'm Annalise. I'm Annie. And welcome to Radio A&A. Tonight we are wanting to talk about shame, um, particularly in the context of accountability for when people have caused harm or participated in oppression or done something that contradicts their values or their ethics. And why do we want to talk about shame? Well, personally, I think shame has kind of been a big part of my life um, in ways that have been helpful sometimes and also not so helpful in a lot of times. And then also with people that I've supported in terms of their accountability journeys, I see a lot of shame. And so I'm kind of interested in like understanding shame and yeah, what it can kind of mean for us personally and collectively as well in terms of like journeys of accountability. And I want to explore it more and kind of get better at supporting people where, yeah, shame is like really present for them in their lives. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I had this realisation at some point, uh, someone was talking to me about about shame and accountability. And I realised that in so many ways, in times I had been speaking with people around their journeys of accountability, actually I had been really separating myself from people and not thinking about how I experience shame Mm -hmm. and what it has me doing and the ways in which, you know, when I feel shame around things that I've done, that I do minimise it, try and defend against it, try and like, make it seem okay somehow, tell stories that make things seem not as bad frequently. And yet I was looking at other people having those responses as if I couldn't understand it. And yeah, it was a huge, I don't know, just realisation for me also in terms of these ways that I think, you know, I've participated in separating and dehumanising others, but also in like not acknowledging what's going on for myself in ways that that have often led me away from accountability rather than towards it. And so it has been really interesting just, yeah, I'm re- yeah thinking about that and thinking about how to be real mm. <laughs> in that too and, like, be real in the fact that this, especially in this kind of, these cultures of, you know, something we've spoken about before, but these good and bad binaries where... There's like perfection or evil, Mm. like angel or the devil, hero or the villain, how they create this particular sense of shame for not being the angel, the, you know, hero. That that can be overwhelming. Can I ask a kind of clarifying question? When you were saying before, like it, there's like actions of like, if we've done something we're not proud of and like realising that, many people kind of respond in same ways so like trying to like push it further away from us are you saying like because shame is there that kind of contributes to this like not wanting to feel the shame so then you're kind of pushing away Mm. the like harmful action or the yeah and like this kind of sense of shame being overwhelming and all-consuming like Mm. for myself I notice when it's like it feels unmanageable where it's like, it, you know, it, it feels like it's consuming every single thing that's going on. My whole self, I am the shame. 
and mm. that is when I notice it's like too much. Mm. It feels like too much. I don't want to be in it anymore. And it seems like often the easiest way or the most or maybe the most learnt way, I don't know, of how to kind of respond to that or push that away or deal with that is to run away from things. What would you say then what is shame? Because <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, like thinking for myself, I'm like, you know, when I was hearing you speak, I'm like, yeah, like shame to me is like a really like distressing, painful, humiliating, embarrassing, worry feeling. <laughs> That's like often really felt in my body. I can feel it myself clamming up. I can feel myself shutting down. I can feel myself um, be defensive then in the actions, I guess. But it's like, yeah, a lot of distress, I would say, and like painful. Mm. Yeah, I think sometimes... I don't even, (laughs) I was like, yeah, good point, you know, but I think for me, I find it difficult to separate like sometimes shame from like anxiety in the sense that it feels similar. Yeah, yeah. Like this kind of like preoccupation, worry, like spiral thinking, yeah, the clammy, like heart racing, panic, embarrassment. Yeah, I felt that as well. So maybe like shows up really differently for different Mm. people. Mm. But I think what I have often found in the context of accountability, I think shame shows up when there is like some sort of consciousness about having hurt someone or harmed someone. Mm. That's when it shows up for me, Mm. when I get an inkling or a consciousness of it and then I'm like, ah. Mm. Yeah, a realisation of the effects or someone says something. Yeah. And often... Because that's the first time you've realised it. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> the response. Yeah. But I mean, even for me, even if it's not the first time, even mm. if it's like the fifth time, I think mm. feelings yeah. are still mm. maybe easier to deal with mm. because I'm like, oh, I know this and I want to work on it. But they're still there. I don't think they're kind of – I don't think shame for me is never not there in those situations actually – And that's something maybe we want to talk about, that that's not necessarily that bad. Yeah. I think there's so many ways that it can kind of feel more manageable or feel different. And, you know, I guess we'll we'll get there in the conversation. But, yeah, it's like that that sense when shame is overwhelming. Mm. I think that's often when, when I notice myself having those responses and reactions. That in other people, even though I have them, that when other people have had them, I have been critical of that or, like, judgmental mm. of that at times in the past, even though I myself yeah. <laughs> have this. And so that's really something I'm trying to hold now in my life, that I do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, probably as a result of many things in the culture that we're in. And I don't know. I don't know why else. But Yeah, what's kind of like the history if we were to kind of think about like the history of shame, what where would we kind of place it? It's interesting. I was reading this thing um, earlier. It was completely unrelated mm. to what we're talking about, accountability, but it was talking about the development of guilt and shame, not in the context of accountability, mm. but in the context of the development of morality. And it was talking about it, you know, linked to, 
to those ideas of right and wrong, but that particular thing I was reading was talking about it as linked with like Judeo-Christian values, but then developed also like in a particular way in Britain and like English history that was very much associated also with like, you know, these other kinds of things like oppressions, like class-based oppression Mm. or racialized oppression and these other kinds of shame that certain sorts of people were immoral and others were moral and it was like shameful to be immoral or to be living in these certain kinds of ways. So shame placed onto people. Yes, as a different kind of thing but linked with this idea of a good and bad Mm. binary. Morality, immorality, right, wrong. Mm. But I don't know, that's just something I read today. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, my, yeah, I mean, I would say pretty much like 99.9% of my shame is from growing up Catholic. (laughs) And like, I don't know, I feel like we were just taught, like we were taught to feel shame as a way, I guess it's kind of interesting because it's like, yeah, as a way to get you to be a better person, you had to be kind of forced to feel shame. But it was, it wasn't a, it was kind of about shame for everything. Like you should feel shame for who you are, as well as the bad things that you do, kind of all the time. So I think that's confusing for me mm. because, you know, growing up, I've had to kind of, really then try and be like where is shame useful for me and when is it actually pretty terrible and try and like work on that in myself because Mm. Catholicism just well for me like in my kind of in my church or family that I went to it was it's like living and breathing shame Mm. Like, it's everywhere. There was, like, no part of the teaching without shame. (laughs) Yeah, and I think there's so much interesting stuff in that because, you know, in a culture of right and wrong, good and bad, morality, immorality, all these things, you know, like, I I didn't grow up Catholic at all, but it was informed by, like, Anglo, I don't know what, Anglo-Christian something values, (laughs) like British values, I suppose, or, you know, even through our mom, through the Orthodox tradition, same Judeo, Judeo-Christian values. But the idea of teaching by guilting and guilt-tripping mm. and, like, all these kinds of things, like... Yeah, you have to feel bad to do the good thing. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there's so much in this, you know, different kinds of, like, cultural attitudes... That, that actually makes accountability hard mm. in terms of these conflations of different kinds of shame where you feel shame because of who you are as a result of structural violence mm. and oppressions and the creation of categories of people and people, certain people grow up to feel shame because of just being that person. Mm. And how does that actually make it difficult or very, very difficult to separate what is the shame because of things that you've done and choices that you've made and effects Mm. they've had versus this other shame even because of what's been done to you you know the shame that's experienced as a result of violence because of the kinds of discourses around people who experience violence Mm. or something like that and so you know something I've also found really interesting in recent years is actually exploring like 
how do you separate those kinds of shame? Because to be able to take responsibility for your actions, you need to not be taking responsibility for the structural violence mm. or the personal violence that's been done to you through taking on mm. all that shame. And I know there's heaps of really interesting stuff when I was reading. Yeah, like Alan Jenkins talks a lot about reattributing shame to where it belongs mm. for those kinds of things to be able to own the shame that is yours. Mm. And that was really interesting to me for myself too. Like I was actually thinking about this last night where I was like, you know, I felt in life because of many things that I've experienced, I feel a sense of like to be to be wrong or to be slightly Im- imperfect mm. or incorrect is terrible. It's like the worst thing. And the feeling of like, oh, I didn't do it completely correct is as if it's if it feels the same bodily as if I actually did something that later I stand by and go, that's not correct. Like I, that's against my values. I don't want to do that. Um, but then it makes it hard because and if someone does tell me, you know, you did this thing and it was kind of shit, it's like all that ah, mm. comes up unless I can separate all those kinds of things out. I don't know how to avoid that defensiveness or something and thinking about it in that way was, yeah, interesting to me. Maybe we should talk a bit more about the different kinds of shame. Let's go to a song and then come back and talk about that more. I'm wondering, should we listen to uh, Electric Fields? Yes. So we'll listen to Catastrophe by Electric Fields. How on earth did something like this just happen? Feels like I'm living some kind of hell All of these memories round in circles I gotta get off of this carousel Now all I can see is the 
listening to Radio ANA and we have been talking about shame and in the context of accountability. Yeah, I was interested in when you were talking before about kind of shame through essentially through abuse or through oppression, through structural violence, through discrimination. So like feeling shame or the shame taking over because you've been I guess you've been told a story about who you are or who you're meant to be that's like creates overwhelming shame and so when that shame is there I yeah I guess how do we kind of know or notice it's that compared to like shame that is like yeah, coming up for people when it's around a consciousness around, yeah, having harmed someone else. Mm. Like, I, yeah, mm. how would we know the difference or mm. how do we explore that with someone, I guess? Mm. I think it is difficult because I often think all those things can be felt and experienced at one time. Yeah. You know, like that kind of like mistaken shame or misplaced shame is what, you know, some people have kind of called called that shame that comes from as you're saying like there's been a story you've told about who you're supposed to be yeah and you're not that yeah so you feel like you're wrong you know because it fits in with that right and wrong yeah but it comes from a really different kind of thing but then often if on top of that you've also done things that don't fit with your own values I think all that stuff can mix together but you know I think one of the one of the things I've thought about is that often in the context of speaking to people about accountability, there's this idea that we can't talk about harm people have experienced or Mm. do experience, including oppression. Mm. But if we don't do that, I don't think you can separate Mm. out those kinds of shame. And therefore, I don't think there's a lot of space for responsibility in that. It's like an injustice, really, if we don't make space to talk about yeah, what someone has been experiencing that might be mean that there's shame overwhelm. 
Mm. What do you think? Like what is the role of, yeah, like support or speaking about things like that or, you know, in the context of accountability? Yeah, I think – I guess I'm interested in like, yeah, trying to have complex conversations with people about shame and even like having conversations with people about the effects of shame to then have conversations about which shame they're kind of interested in being useful and not so useful. And so, you know, for example, like for me, I would say when shame is like really overwhelming how I respond, which I know is terrible, is to be really defensive <laughs> and, and then just so highly stressed, you know, like I can't sleep and I'm really like worrying and it's just like completely takes over, which makes it not really that possible for me to take responsibility for anything at that point. But so I want to notice the effects of this for for others, for people I'm kind of supporting to then think about like, you know, are there these effects like defensiveness or being closed or whatever's going on for someone so that I'm then able to kind of like trace that a bit for them. Like, I guess I do want to explore with them like when that's tied to shame around being told to be you know, certain kinds of people that they're not kind of meeting up to or not even what they're not meeting up to, but like structural violence about certain like people categories that are given more value and less value and exploring with people the effects of that, that that that's had on their lives and what that's had them thinking about who they are, you know, and validating the devaluing of, of themselves or of people. And then, yeah, exploring with people than other kinds of shame that they've also experienced and whether, yeah, they've had that noticing too and the effects of that. Like does that sort of come up when, you know, you're talking about things that you're not proud of? And I think talking with people too about the things that they are wanting to take responsibility for, it's like, you know, Alan Jenkins talks about this too, but it's like the kind of under-responsibility and over-responsibility And I think shame is really, like, tricky. Like, it's like a trickster in this way. I think it kind of gets us to either take too much responsibility for, like, everything in the world, like, all of our failings, all of, like, just living and breathing, or it gets us, like, tricks us into, like, not taking any responsibility. And I'm kind of interested in exploring that with people. You know, are we stepping into either of those things? Yeah, what kind of is contributing to that? I think there's something too, like when you were speaking, I was thinking about, you know, tracing the voices of shame, you know, in terms of that, like which shame is useful or, but also which is yours. Yeah. And which is not. It's like where where did these different voices enter your lives? Like which of those voices actually are the voices of oppressors and which of those voices are actually like yours or your communities or people that you care about and – the voices of those that shame is saying to you like this isn't in accordance with mm. your values or how you want to be and which is saying these things are actually maybe you don't stand behind you know um yeah or as the voices of people or structures who've actually caused caused you harm mm. or done violence to you and that yeah 
Is there like possibilities in that to like turn away from certain voices and turn towards others or something is what I was thinking about. Yeah. I was thinking about, so like there's working with people on like the different kinds of shame. And then I also think that when people are like overwhelmed with shame, without the shame that is, you know, linked or influenced by kind of structural violences or abuse or oppression, that even in there, shame can be useful and not so useful. Mm. And I'm wondering like, yeah, have you had noticings about when that hasn't been so useful and Mm. what that's looked like? Mm. I think what you were talking about with that over and under responsibility is something I both experience Mm. myself, that flipping, and also see in people I'm talking to. And I do wonder if there's links there in terms of like this kind of like this binary, like good, bad, but also like in power, powerless, Mm. like all these opposites where I think both of those responses, like over-responsibility in the sense of like, oh, we're responsible for absolutely everything and just say sorry for everything and is is kind of also like a run, running away from the bad feeling, you know, if that shame is actually regret and guilt mm. and, you know, feeling bad about what you've done because you actually don't want to be that way. You don't want to do those things, but you feel really consumed by it. You feel like, okay, well, that means I'm a terrible person. I'm no longer a good person. I'm now a terrible person because I've done these things that don't match. It's also hard to sit in that place of I'm a terrible person. And and you feel that there's nowhere to go. You're stuck in that. You'll be there forever. But it's like, yeah, in that, the ways out of that, that are quick, can be okay, I'll just take responsibility for everything and then I can be back to being a good person because I'm taking responsibility for everything. Or you can just get rid of the harm done and be like, I didn't do anything. And then you're back in the good person category. So both of those over-responsibility and under-responsibility lead you to the place of I'm back in the good person category. But it's fake. It's not real. And so I think in that, what I've noticed in myself and others is that it's always tentative. It's not doesn't actually it's not actually a calming place to be. The shame and guilt feelings isn't actually gone. They're just pushed down because any time you are made aware of what you've done again, suddenly it comes back in. Or any time you can't you're saying sorry for everything and the person's like, well then I do, you don't understand what you've actually done. Then you're back in. I'm terrible. So it's like a teetering. But I don't know. That's what I think. I don't yeah. Know what <laughs> Yeah, definitely think when it's been not so useful. I think I've also noticed that there's, yeah, it maybe leads to a lot of defensiveness because I think people are, like you said, really scared to understandably to be like Satan as like a monster or all of the kind of labels that we tend to like this society or this world kind of, yeah, ideas about who people are if they've used violence or caused harm, this kind of, yeah, monster or evil or... I think people don't want to be that. And neither do I. (laughs) Like, who the fuck wants to be that? So we're trying to run away from it. But I think that, yeah, when shame is, like, not so useful is when, when it's influenced by this, like these ideas that if you cause harm you're you're the most awful person 
alive and no one sees your humanity anymore. And, yeah, mostly I see people and myself, like, be defensive or not be open to conversations. To be really, like, dismissive, to deny, to blame, all of those things, make excuses. And I think, interestingly, we were talking about this before, I think staying there also leads to all these really negative effects on people. Like, I think often when people are in that kind of or overwhelmed by that kind of shame and then, you know, denial, blame, all of that. I think often people sitting in that are not so happy and it's, it is kind of hard to be, you know, like to have joy when you're sitting in that. Like I found that myself. So it's like I want people to <laughs> want to support people to, yeah, to find ways that shame can be, yeah, useful if it's present and like yeah make shifts towards towards not to have those I guess those effects and also because those effects negatively of course affect people that we've harmed as Mm. well Mm. and I think those effects for all the people involved are related to the fakeness of that yeah overall under responsibility like it's it's based on something that requires like kind of a different reality to be created for you to live in that whether it's I'm responsible for everything or I'm responsible for nothing you have to create a different reality which is going to be different to the reality of those around Mm. you particularly the people that are experiencing harm from you and there's like a total rejection of yourself in that too like how do you actually come to terms with the fact that you may you may have certain values and yet you did do these things that might seem really horrific to you, mm. even small things, you know, because it doesn't match mm. how you see of yourself. I guess this is where I've seen shame be useful. Should we go to a song first and then... We can maybe talk about some of the ways that we found shame to actually be, um, yeah, quite helpful in people's journeys of accountability. Yeah. Maybe um, maybe we can listen to the Anthony and the Johnson song. Love it. Rapture. Falling, lips are falling, hair is falling to the ground. Slowly, softly, falling, falling, down in silence to the ground. All the world is falling, falling. Teardrops falling to the ground Teardrops 
you were speaking before about some of the ways that you've found shame to be useful in the journey of accountability and I was wondering if you could tell us about that. Yeah, I think maybe something that's been useful for me is not making assumptions about what shame is doing to someone else, like whether or not it's useful or not useful and to explore it because I've yeah, supported people in their journeys of accountability in ways where, yeah, shame does seem like it's, it is getting in the way of responsibility taking. And then I've also seen it where people kind of talk about how shame is helping them to remember their values and their hopes and their preferences for who they want to be in a relationship or as a, or you know, as a parent or friend, and that shame is actually their kind of all-time reminder for, you know, when they're, yeah, when they're behaving in ways that they're not proud of. And shame helps them to send messages to be like, remember the effects that, you know, this has on on others around you that you love and adore, who you're wanting to have different um, or positive effects on. 
So I have found that to be very interesting. Like I think maybe in like journeys of accountability when I was younger, I used to just always maybe think it was like a negative thing. Like it only brought up this defensiveness or because that's what it did in me. (laughs) But like in talking to heaps of people, it seems like some people are really able to use it in somewhat of a positive way. Hmm. Yeah, and I think there's something there, like, I actually just had this memory that I completely forgot about, about when I'd done some talk about white guilt, where I was saying, actually, like, you need to have some guilt, otherwise you're not going to recognise your whiteness and the power in that, for example. You know, because there's a lot of conversation about the ways in which, like, white guilt, for example, stops people from doing Mm. anything. So in taking responsibility by acting against racial injustice um, and white supremacy and constrains people in the sense of just going, oh, my God, too hard, which is the opposite of responsibility taking. But without any guilt at all, then you're, especially if you're in a position of power or privilege, you're just like wandering around life being like, la, 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 like, as well. (laughs) Okay, maybe that's like an extreme. La, 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 la. Yeah. I wish I was one <laughs> And so, you know, it's like even I don't think it is this like all or nothing yeah. thing either that it's either useful or not useful. Yes. And it's like how do you kind of, you know, within yourself but also in supporting others or like working with other people, talking with other people, find ways in which you can actually connect with shame when it is guilt and regret. Mm. Or a recognition of injustice and your participation in yeah. it. But find it, find motivation in that to act rather than constrained by overwhelm. Yeah. And I'm interested, like, you know, in, even in yourself or in conversations with other people in terms of when people are in that place of overwhelm, are there sorts of conversations or things you've found useful you know, people have found useful mm. in holding on to some of that shame in terms of recognising the effects but no longer being stuck in it or something. Yeah. I have found, like, when we're, when I'm able to have conversations with people that kind of, um, like in a lot of the work of accountability where we're kind of separating people's harmful behaviour from all of who they are, you know, this kind of like seeing the humanity in someone, same as the shame, like kind of separating the shame in a way that we can kind of be curious about it. And so exploring with the person kind of what messages um, is shame saying that helps you to take the action that you're wanting to take and how do you, what do you do to kind of make those louder versus, you know, when there's the kind of more, not helpful messages like um, what have you found useful you know when those are around like how do you have them less influencing you I guess like I think the separation is is useful because even for myself I find that if it's all consuming and if it's all of who I am that yeah that doesn't help me to like be able to see the ways that I I I want to be and like how I might you know change to be the person that I actually, yeah, like value and can contribute to others' lives. So, yeah, I think helping people to 
to separate it a bit, to be able to be curious about it, has I've found it really useful. Mm. Yeah. What about for you? Well, I was thinking like similar things, but I was also thinking about having these kinds of conversations about, you know, like not, not necessarily the, the history of the shame particularly, but, you know, if when we are in a place where, like, I feel this shame, therefore I'm a terrible bad person, like, what's the history of that connection? Mm. You know, how, like, yeah, like having conversations about, like, where we learn that connection that like a bad thing makes a completely bad mm. person or that there's no coming back in yourself. Mm. There may not be like, you know, coming back in terms of like none of this is about interactions with the people that you've harmed who don't need to accept you or forgive you. But even that, right, so much of the expectation of forgiveness is linked to the alleviation of shame mm. feelings. It's all fine now. It's all fixed. But, yeah, like, to even be able to sit in accountability without forgiveness, it's like, yeah, how do we kind of unpack some of that binary of good and bad people? And I think, yeah, sometimes when I have had conversations with people, but also with myself mm. <laughs> about that, it's it's helpful because I don't really agree with categorizing people in that way. And yet I do it to myself mm. and I do it to other people. So what is that? Yeah. And like when am I, are there times I'm, I'm able to do that less and what makes that possible? Or are there times that I do that more? Mm. And what's, what kind of, yeah, what kind of voices are like leading me down that spiral or something? And yeah, maybe other, maybe if I ask those questions of other people, maybe they'd find that useful. I don't know. Yeah, I was just thinking when you were talking that when I'm in shame overwhelm, I have found it helpful to really think about what it's making me, yeah, like we talked about this before, but it, I really do try and think, is this telling me something about who, the type of person I want to be? And I think that does help in the overwhelm because I'm trying to like normalize shame or something to myself. And I think that does help others too, to be like, it is a very human thing mm. to like have shame, like pop up when there's a consciousness around harm because of, you know, the many things that we've talked about. And so I think the normalizing it is useful for people to be like, this is quite common and, like, what is it telling you, you know, about yourself? Mm. Yeah, totally, because I also think that I sometimes feel shame for feeling shame. <laughs> oh, same. The shame just adds to the shame, to the shame, to the shame. <laughs> and then I just want to be in la, 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 and I'm not there. <laughs> it's quite distressing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where you got to just enter into the realm of total denial, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? La, 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 la. <laughs> Which we have a lot of examples of in Australian culture, the culture of denial. Well, this is the thing too, because it's like not just individual, mm. like we're in a context where, you know, we see very little accountability in this world. Thinking about recently our federal elections and <laughs> like, you know, I think that is like, it is useful for people to kind of kind of understand that we've 
we live in a world where we haven't had many examples of accountability. Mm. And so, you know, it makes sense that we're all really struggling with the shame stuff when that pops up. You know, I haven't ever learnt, like, how to, like, respond to it or it's just been, like, lots of therapy to kind of help me through all of that stuff. And I, most people don't have access to the kind of therapy that I've had around that. And it still shows up a lot, you know. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like, yeah, I think maybe developing cultures where we're not scared to own up, to take responsibility will also help us with the shame mm-hmm. when that's there and maybe might become a bit more useful for us in mm-hmm. actually telling us about what we're doing that's not aligning with who we want to be and will help give us some helpful reminders rather than be so overwhelming and distressing Mm. yeah and I mean I think you know I was just thinking then that we haven't we haven't sort of we, we kind of have but we haven't really mentioned like you know the systems through which these you know right and wrong like innocent and guilty all these kinds of things um like are embodied now in terms of like the British legal system that got exported throughout the world and like its history even before that and all these kinds of things of, you know, not only is there like a good, which is innocence, there's a guilt, which is permanent, Mm. you know, and that so not only do we not see a lot of accountability, we also see a lot of when people are guilty, punishment that lasts forever in some way. There's not kind of a sense that like once you have done your punishment or whatever, that you are separated from your crime mm. in that context. You'll always be a criminal. Mm. And so, yeah, or like, you know, even f- further back before a particular kind of prison, it's like, okay, you're going to be in there forever or killed or this kind of thing. Like there's no, there's no coming back. And so when there's no coming back accountability doesn't offer much (laughs) Mm. and I mean that's reinforced even at the kind of social level right like I think we're not very good at holding complexity even in friendship groups when we kind of fuck up or make mistakes and I don't know are pretty quick to kind of dehumanize someone and in that like I'm not saying that you know people who've experienced harm need to be doing anything about that you know but I think collectively like I wonder, yeah, what is all of our responsibilities for how we can create cultures that aren't dehumanising of anyone and work towards kind of making making it okay to like make mistakes and be able to to work towards repair and work towards change. Um, yeah, and work towards accountability, all of those things. Mm. Where it doesn't, yeah, feel so horrifying. Mm. Yeah, the constant judgment day vibe. <laughs> yeah, and it's reinforced as well. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, there's so much stuff like thinking about all this if just thinking about like, yeah, what I want. <laughs> and it's interesting the ways in which I've noticed that what I want for myself, which is like to be able to accept myself and to own Mm. my shit you know like mistakes but also like harm which doesn't it doesn't feel right or something to use the word mistakes Mm. but 
yeah, that sometimes I want that for myself and yet can't give that to others. Mm. And so what is that about? And I think there's like this huge thing there of trying to align that. Mm. <laughs> trying to align like what you would want for yourself or like your loved ones or the people you care for with what you would want for those who you don't kind of define in your category who might be different to you, who might be – and just this constant project of, yeah, not othering or not mm. separating because I think to stop any kind of harm or oppression or domination, that's a pretty essential step. Very essential. <laughs> it is time. Thanks, everyone, for listening to – our messy conversations around shame. I think it's really complex, I guess, and, like, there's so much to talk about. This this has really been a conversation about shame in, in journeys of accountability. Like, I think there's heaps of stuff around shame in other contexts that, you know, we haven't talked about really or given justice to. Yeah, we want to keep talking about it. So if you have any ideas or thoughts, then please um, let us know and ways that you have been able to have different conversations around shame. So, a song to go out. Shall we listen to True Blue, Dirty Beaches? Yeah, let's do that one. All right. This is True Blue by Dirty Beaches.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.